0: Good morning and welcome to the first session of the 2022 Pastors Retreat hosted by the Solomon Foundation here in Aruba. You know, the best way to start off the morning is to have somebody with a lot of energy, someone that has just great knowledge of our movement and great knowledge about how pastors need to deal with issues uh, each and every day. You know, I've had the privilege of meeting Dr. Wes Beavis Oh, gosh, almost 20 years ago when he was a church planter in Southern California. And, you know, Dr. West was in a situation where he wanted to help more pastors with all of the issues happening out there. So he went back and got his Ph.D. in clinical psychology. When the pandemic hit uh, just over two years ago, one of the first things I did was hire a clinical psychologist Uh, on our staff on retainer. And I couldn't think of a better person to to ask to do that than Dr. Wes Beavis. Dr. Wes and his beautiful wife, Ellie, they're here with us for the next uh, three or four days. And I know we're all gonna be blessed by one of the great leaders within the restoration movement, Dr. Wes Beavis. Please welcome Dr. Wes to the stage.
1: absolutely wonderful to be with you, and I must say, right from the outset, that uh, I have never seen particularly um, a, a bunch of guys hit the dance floor like you did last night. I've, I, I've had so many wives come to me and say, um, can you counsel my husband? I mean, he's doing great in ministry, but he's got to get in touch with his inner dancer. So... Uh, I. I I've got some work cut out for me. So um, all right, let's see how we're doing here. All right. Megan? Yes. OK. OK. We're getting there. What a great start to my talk. This is) Back when I was his age. I was a sophomore in East Peoria Community High School in the town of Crevecourt, Illinois. Anybody been to Crevecourt, Illinois? You was born there. You were born? Oh. I belonged to a high school that wasn't really good in the athletic department, and so the coach of the track and field team put out a call because he had some spare places in the running events and he wanted to fill those places so he put out the call and I and a bunch of other guys turned up and one of the guys that turned up was Fred Brown. Fred Brown was as plain and uninteresting as his name, Fred Brown. Nobody knew anything about Fred Brown. He was completely unnoticeable at school. But Fred turned up. Now, in most call, schools, we call them tryouts. In this particular school that I was, it was called a try-in. That is, if you, uh, t- if you turn up and willing to give it a try, you're in. You're in. <laughs> and so... The coach was there and he was trying to fill positions and uh, uh, the last event was the mile and he said, is anybody here willing to run the mile? And he, nobody was putting their hands up and so they turned to, uh, uh, he turns to Fred and he says, uh, hey Fred, you, you ever run the mile before? And F- Fred shrugged and said, no. Well Fred, would you like to run the mile? I guess and so we had a preliminary preseason track meet coming up with the uh, with the, uh, four or five other schools, and we'd all run our races and our events. And it came to the last one, the mile. And so Fred Brown was at the starting line with everybody else, and uh, the starter gun went, and Fred was just off like a rocket obviously completely inexperienced at running long-distant races. He was way, he just pulled way out. And but what was really noticeable, and this is where this is where the stage one collaboration started to take place. Lap one. Me and all the others noticed there was something very peculiar about Fred's running style. Oh, his legs were working great, He's like, but he didn't know what to do with his hands. And so he was just running around, you know, combination of, you know, running and having an epileptic fit. At the same time, he just, he just did not know what to do with his hands. And so me and my teammate, we were just collaborating around ridicule and scoffing Fred Brown, who was as plain and uninteresting as his name, and so we were having just the greatest time, and the coach was there with his clipboard and his timer, and, and Fred just, you know, had no clue how to run the mile. He was just so far out in front, and so we entered phase two on lap two of our collaboration, and that was we, we moved from scoffing and ridicule to judgment and criticism. It's like we're going, you know, we're talking to each other, and we coach, he's not going to make it. He's gonna he, he's he's going he's not even gonna make it to, to lap three. He's gonna he's gonna burn out. Coach, he's, he, he's, and, and and we were judging Fred's performance. All the time. Fred just kept running and running with his unusual hand motions. <laughs> lap three. Advice giving. As as Fred is is starting to catch up with the last person in the field, we're thinking, this this guy might even finish the race. And and so at that moment, we're collaborating amongst ourselves and we're thinking, okay... uh, he, you you've got to contain, you know, retain some energy for the last lap. Fred, slow down. You've got this. You know, and we're all experts in this. And, and Fred just, he was oblivious to it all and just kept, you know, shaking his hands and running around. And then we turned at the beginning of the final lap, lap four. We turned to the coach and said, coach, what's his time? Coach just looks at his stopwatch, takes notes on his clipboard. A little while later, we're saying, Coach, what, you know, is, is, is he nearing the school record? Looks at his stopwatch, makes some more notes. And then we get to the point where, where Fred Brown, who was as plain and uninteresting as his name, caught up with the last runner in the field. He lacked him. And we turned to the coach, he must be, he must be going to, you know, is he going to break the school record? The coach looks at his stopwatch, makes another note on his clipboard and says, no, guys, he's not going to break the school record. And we're all kind of dejected because we thought, man, he sure is running fast in his lap. And then the coach looked up and said, guys, get ready. Fred Brown is about to smash the school record. And we moved at that point from <laughs> ridicule, from judging, from advice giving, to just encouragement. And we all just stormed the side of the dragon. Go Fred Brown! Go Fred Brown! It was like, you know, we reached in and we, we, we got connected with our inner cheerleader. And that day, Fred Brown, who used to be as plain and uninteresting as his name became, did you hear what Fred Brown did at the track meet yesterday? Today we're talking about collaboration. This week, we're talking about collaboration. Now, I have put together some handouts for you there. And if you've got a pen, this is gonna help you take notes and keep track. Here's the key. Whenever I have an underline in the slide here, that means that there's a blank on the page and you can go ahead and fill in that blank. How does that sound? Is that good? All right, so collaboration. A definition to get us started. The action of working with others to produce or create something. So principle number one, talent is often discovered and developed within the context of collaboration. And I'm not really telling you as ministry leaders anything that you don't already know and have experienced. Often our best hires, the hires that come from within, they work their way through, the, uh, they're, they're volunteers, and then they may be interns, and then they're, they're part-time staff, and then they move to full-time staff. It's within the context of a collaborative environment we discover that they've got the talent, and we develop the talent. Just like Fred Brown, who this was what was written in the, in the school yearbook, Distant Superstar. Makes a habit of breaking the tape at jewel meets with a season best time of four minutes and 21 seconds. That's pretty good. He was the only team member. And notice I, it was interesting. They didn't put he was the only individual. I don't know whether they were cognizant or not, but this is so true because it was in the context of joining the team that Fred Brown, who had, who had innate talent, was able to develop that talent. He went from, from a, a guy who was, who was just kind of you know making his way around the track to a guy who, who looked like that. He looked like a runner and it was in the context of being in a, in a team where we collaborated and we encouraged and we, we affirmed him that he was able to go on and he became even faster and he was the only one of us in our team to represent state. We flourish in collaboration and we flounder in isolation. And if there's anything that the evil one wants to do with any of us as ministry leaders, and that is to get us isolated, get us alone with our own thinking processes. And when we're when we're going through stress and under great duress, what happens in the brain is we retreat from the, the more sophisticated part of our brain into a very primary um threat-oriented part of our brain. It's it has and that part of the brain, it's called the limbic system, and it's very binary. It's either you're all for me or you're all against me. It's, it cannot, cannot handle nuances. And so uh, when we're isolated, and we're alone in our thinking process, we've retreated from our prefrontal cortex, the most, you know, the premium part of our brain where we do the most sophisticated of, of uh, evaluations. We're in that primary part of our brain, which is just all about threats. You know, everything is a threat. And when we're isolated, you know, and, and we are uh, just oriented towards our own thinking, you know, we can, the, the evil one can use that. We, flounder in isolation okay so this is what i love to do i'm just wondering whether um okay uh, i met a new couple here today and they're about to have their heart rate go up substantially because i'm gonna call (laughs) kenan and ashley are you in the room where's oh there you are um okay Listen, you're going to be fine because we love you. Keenan. Ashley, would you come up and just, uh, no, I'll come to you. And um, could you stand and would you just read that Bible passage and just, yes, he passes it to Ashley. That's good. Good call. Stand. And would you um, read this? Li- Let me see if there's, okay. There's two slides. So uh, Keenan, you start with the first and Ashley, we'll move over to the second. So would you share with us the word of God from Genesis chapter 41? Go.
0: Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, today I'm reminded of my shortcomings. Pharaoh was once angry with his servants, and he imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. Now a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us giving each man the interpretation of his dream. And things turned out exactly as he interpreted them to us. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph and he was quickly brought from the dungeon.
1: Fantastic. Would you give it up to for Kenan and Ashley? You did great. You are here initiated into the Solomon team of pastors. Welcome. Good to have you in Aruba. All right. so. Um, we've all preached on this passage many times. But it's interesting. Had Joseph, when he was in the dungeon, decided, no, I'm going to keep this dream thing to myself. Because, you know, this is my psychological, spiritual, strategic advantage. I'm keeping it to myself. But he didn't. He, he collaborated. He was in, in a context with the cupbearer and the baker. And unfortunately, things didn't work out so well for the baker. But the cupbearer was able to, years later... Because of that collaboration, Joseph was pulled out from the dungeon. And in ministry, I want you to know that it is through the the, the relationships that you meet at this and in this week that will serve you in the coming days to whatever. Because we're all going to find ourselves in in dungeons from time to time. Sometimes of our own making. Sometimes because you know the stresses of ministry and and uh, uh, the the attacks. But the collaboration that we have, that we form with each other, God will use to, to pull us out of that dungeon that we're in. And I know it has been the case in my life, the people that I've connected with as a result of being a part of the Solomon Foundation team of ministry le- leaders. So we're moving on to principle number two collaboration is a remedy for emotional exhaustion. And burnout. Okay now this is an area where I have a level of expertise. I uh, spent seven years of my life in grad school and getting licensed as a clinical psychologist and my specialty uh, that I did my doctoral research on was the precipitating factors that lead to stress and burnout in restoration church pastors. Pretty specific hey but it was for you All of you. And so I then morphed that into my book, Let's Talk About Ministry Burnout. I titled it that way because the research reveals that we don't talk when we're going through these struggles. And that's why collaboration is so important because it gets us talking. So the uh, last session that we had uh, in Kona... I took us through the burnout train line, and I just want to focus on the first one, emotional exhaustion, because that's where burnout starts. It starts with us being emotionally drained, and the symptoms of emotional exhaustion are lack of motivation, trouble sleeping, irritability, and physical fatigue, absent-mindedness, apathy, headaches, difficulty concentrating. You know, those are all symptoms of burnout and it's, it's when we're experiencing those symptoms that the evil one can whisper in our ear, maybe you're not cut out for this. You know, because look at so-and-so. You know, look at, look at Pastor Matthew over here. He's just nailing it. You know, and... Dina. Uh, Dina, thank you. Um, you know, and, and the evil one likes to, to, to capitalize on all of those things. And uh, the root cause ultimately of burnout is accumulated stress from your personal life or work life or a combination of both. And, and as someone who is privileged and honored to work with, with many ministry leaders, it, it usually is a combination of both. So here are the remedies uh, take a break. You know, these are slam dunks. Eat healthy and exercise. I'll be working on that till the day good Lord calls me home. Particularly harder in Aruba to do that. Um, uh, get enough sleep. Meet with a counselor. Many of you, I've had the joy of being able to just walk alongside. Um, uh, here's the ultimate remedy. <laughs> I'm telling you. If there's a prescription for burnout recovery, it's called Aruba. (laughs) Um, Eliminate the stressor. Because sometimes there's a a specific issue that's just draining us. And uh, usually the stressor is this. It comes in the form of just so much to do. I love this. So many things. And... uh, There's another Bible passage. I'm going to get. Uh, where's Jason? I had dinner with Jason last night. He's somewhere around. How's Jason? He's somewhere here. Yeah, I must be. Oh, there he is. Okay, brother. Very dangerous to know Dr. West. Jason, would you be willing to just stand up and it's just that section and read the Word of God for us?
0: When Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he asked, what are you really accomplishing here? Why are you trying to do all this alone while everyone stands around you from the morning till evening?
1: There we go. Thank you, Pastor Jason. I appreciate that. Okay, so and, and there's, there's a lot more to that passage. But the collaboration that happened between Moses and Jethro led to the establishment of a new ministry system, a new system. And it was really the first uh, time in the Bible that delegation was established as a way of reducing workload. Um, It provided, that collaboration between Moses and Jethro uh, provided relief from emotional exhaustion. Moses was just trying to do it all. And so that collaboration led to a better system, and that system led to better mental health on the part of Moses. All right, principle number three. And we're going to swim a little bit towards the deep end of the pool, but stay with me. Um, How how am I doing so far? Doing okay? All right, fantastic, okay. Uh, The Royal Society is the uh, uh, longest-serving publisher of research in uh, in, in the world. Uh, They've been publishing research for 350 years. Uh, One of the people that they published is Sir Isaac Newton. This is a formidable research publication. And they uh, did some research titled Collective Action and the Collaborative Brain. And so what I want to do is let you know what happens in our brain neurologically when we collaborate one with another. This is some of the discoveries that came out of that research. Brain size does not seem to correlate with factors related to diet and habitat. So, you can't eat a particular type of food and have your brain grow. I mean, you can eat a particular type of food and your brain will get healthy. And the same with habitat. It doesn't matter what part of the world you come from, or whether you're in a suburban or urban or rural, brain size is not correlated with diet or habitat. Brain size, they've discovered, does correlate with both group size and population density. In other words, the more you're around people and the more you connect uh, tightly with people, that causes neurogenesis in your brain, the formation of new brain cells because all of that all of that uh, stimulation that comes by way of collaboration causes your body to respond, hey, we need, we need more brain cells to be able to contain this new information that's coming. Um, collaboration causes growth in the areas of the brain associated with communication and learning. So, you know, if you've got, you know, if you're t- taking on an intern, just make sure that they haven't been raised by a pack of wolves because their communication capacity will be somewhat limited. But uh, collaboration causes that part of your brain associated with language and learning to expand. Now, you may ask yourself the question, well, collaboration and teamwork, aren't they kind of the same thing? Well, yes and no. Collaboration is a part of teamwork. And in this next diagram here, I want to show you that there are three types of teamwork. And they go from simple here up to the complex. Now, the simple is simply coordination. So I want us to read this all together on the count of three. This, these lines here. Talking about coordination, the most simple form of teamwork. On the count of three. One, two, three. People coordinate distinct efforts to create efficiency. Now, we see that a lot in the context of being at this hotel. There's a lot of coordination that's going on. It's it's a lot. uh, We can see it in situations where somebody will go, okay, you do this and you do that. And, okay, you over here, I want you to do that. That's coordination. The next Uh, Level of teamwork moving towards complexity is cooperation again on the count of three one two three people cooperate to Okay, so there's more ownership when we're talking about cooperation people have uh, uh, Had a little more input. It's not just people taking their orders And then ultimately, the most complex form of teamwork is collaboration. People co-labor in an act of creation and the result evolves as each contributor adds their input. It's the most complex, but it's the most powerful form of teamwork. All right. Collaboration requires the most advanced skills of all. Uh, Number one, building trust. Uh, Alea Cooks Campbell, in her book Collaboration at Work, The Secret to Getting Better Results, says this, creating an environment where people feel psychologically safe is a prerequisite for successful collaboration. Without trust, people won't share their ideas or feel comfortable taking risks. And I think we've all been in that situation where either recipient of, you know, we've we've put ourselves out there and, and people, maybe not in so much words, but they've they've kind of just shot us down and said, well, yeah, that's 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 a dumb idea. In order to have the, the collaborative potency, there needs to be a sense of of safety psychologically that I could and, and sometimes I call this the umbrella of mercy. You know, you know, just put it all out there, team. We're under the umbrella of mercy. Nothing is too out there, bizarre or stupid. Let's just, uh, uh, let's just put it all on the table. And, and it's where the synergy happens. It's where you bring an idea, and it may not be the idea that, you, that ultimately takes you to the goal, but it helps stimulate somebody else's thinking process to build on that. And that's where the magic of collaboration takes place. So trust is really, really important. You know, leaders, your people, if they trust you, they're going to be forthcoming, and you're going to get a better result. Okay, collaboration also requires you tapping into creativity and innovation, and this is where the neurogenesis takes place, because creativity, you know... um, Developing a vision, it, it's hard because you're going somewhere that neurologically uh, your brain has not gone before. You're establishing new neural connections. And uh, and so that stimulates the production of neurosteroids, which cause your brain to produce more brain cells and uh, more connections are formed. And uh, it needs uh, so creativity and innovation uh, is, is an essential part of successful collaboration. And resolving the inevitable conflict that arises when you're collaborating, because it does, it's, it's not just, you know, rainbows and puppies when you get into a collaborative mode, because you're, you're obviously, you're, you're trying to solve something or you've got a vision for something. And so, you know, there will be different differences of opinions. And sometimes, you know, we will step on each other's toes. But that's all a part of collaboration. When, you, when that happens, when you run across a wrinkle, don't think you're doing it wrong. It's an essential part of the collaboration process says, that you will sometimes not be in agreement, but if you, and I love, I, I love this concept, I use it all the time in, uh, in counseling, sometimes the, it's not a problem to be fixed, but a tension to be managed. And so you, sometimes collaboration is just figuring out a way to manage this, these, these two ideas that are not completely fitting together, but we're going to stick with it. And that is an outworking of collaboration. Okay, this is what the scientific research reveals. As an environment becomes more unstable, collaboration is a key to successfully navigating and surviving the uncertainty. As the environment becomes more unstable, collaboration is a key to successfully navigating and surviving the uncertainty. So that's what's. All the brilliant scientific minds have come up with. This is what God came up with. Let's stand together and read this together. All right, and I want to remind you that our brains operate at a 7% better capacity when we're standing than when we're sitting. So if you're ever preaching and you see people just kind of fading, get them to stand because you 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 wake up a part of their brain, you get seven percent better attention. Woo! How's that? All right, so this is what God reveals. Two are better than one, for they can help each other succeed. A person standing alone can be attacked, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Yes, when when things become unstable, God's saying the ultimate is collaborating, in collaboration, when, when when you're together with others. You can deal with whatever instability has moved into your world. Um, okay, go ahead and have a seat. I've tapped into, the, uh, into that extra 7%. It's going to get us through to the end. <laughs> um, okay, this, ministry leaders, you're going to love this. This is what scientific research has revealed. If collaborative abilities remain low, a group is predicted to split. With a small proportion of individuals contributing to the public good and the rest free riding, yeah. does that sound familiar or what? Yeah. Ever heard of the 20% doing 80% of the work? Well, this is what they've discovered. If and and they and, and that's what happens when collaborative abilities within a context are low. Is it just there's this natural human propensity to split and, and it splits up unevenly and you have a small proportion putting in all the effort and the rest free writing. So the answer is, the word starts with a C, it is collaboration. Awesome. You guys are great. Oh, and, and you're going to love this too. You may even love this better than the last one. This is so cool because all of us, you know, we love the goal. You know, we establish the vision. We love, you know, getting into the building, getting, you know, have, you know buying the property. And we, we just love that. And we think that that's where the reward is. And it is. I mean, there's great joy at accomplishing the goal. Well, scientific research has revealed that... Collaboration activates brain regions involved in reward processing. That is the release of dopamine, the feel-good chemical. We call that a, uh, a dopaminergic, dopaminergic lift. A dopaminergic lift. Sorry, um, and that is stimulated in the f- in the context of collaboration. And what they've discovered is. You know, it's good to reach the goal, but you don't need to reach the goal in order to get the dopaminergic lift that collaboration brings. And sometimes we just get old. you know, we've got to get the goal because that's where the excitement is. No, the excitement, and maybe even more importantly, is on the journey of you working together. And that's really important for us to know as leaders because we don't, we don't achieve every goal that we set out to achieve. And I want you to know that's not a failure. Because if you're working with a team and you've tried, you know, and, and you've, you've gone at this as a team, you're going to get the benefit of that lift, that psychological, that spiritual, that emotional, mental lift. You're going to get the benefit just for the, for the sheer reason that you have, uh, you have endeavored to work together as a team. In fact, that's where a lot of the reward is. So, principle number four, and I'm I'm contacting tower control to let me know, I'm getting my coordinates to land the plane here. (laughs) Principle number four, collaboration, especially during difficult circumstances, releases oxytocin, the bonding chemical that strengthens relationships. Now, I started out talking about Fred Brown, who was, who was gifted. He, he didn't know what to do with his arms and hands initially, but he knew what to do with his legs and he had lungs for days. <laughs> I wish I could say that about me. I, I'm a plotter. Um, I, was, I was 55 when I entered my first marathon. and. Uh, I said, "Well, hang on, hang on. I appreciate I appreciate the encouragement, but you got to hear the whole story here." So, last September, I ran. Uh, you know, I've, ran, I've, I've run a few now, and last September, I ran in the Huntington Beach Marathon, and there I am at the start. I mean, is that is that just a picture of vitality and energy and like, man, I got this. I'm telling you. Little did I know that this was going to be the worst time that I ever did in a marathon. And it was, it was a, uh, an incredibly hot day. And uh, I was just languishing. And so there I am at the start, and there I am at mile two. I can't even keep my bib on straight. You know, I'm just kind of. And, and uh, for those of you that have r- run longer distances, um, Something happens, you know, it, they, they call it hitting the wall. And it's not only a physical wall, but it's a psychological wall. It's, uh, I, I, I experienced this this state of being becoming delirious, you know, around mile 21. My brain starts thinking weird stuff. And uh, it's really easy for me at that point to go, it's just not, the juice is not worth the squeeze. <laughs> so... At mile 21, the Holy Spirit, I think it was the Holy Spirit working through my delirium, um, said, Wes, why don't you call somebody? And so I said, well, who, 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 this is a Saturday. Most of the people I know are pastors. They're all busy getting their sermons ready for Sunday. Who's gonna answer the phone? And I thought maybe Clayton Hensel will answer the phone. (laughs) So, so so, so I'm running. Actually, I'm not running. I'm shuffling. Uh, Maybe you could call it shuffling at that point. And Clayton answers the phone. Oh, thank God. Clayton's going, Dr. West, how you doing? Great to hear how things going, what's happening, what's up? And I'm going, hey, I'm on mile 21, fading fast. Can't go on much longer. What you got for me? And so Clayton picked up on it. And he's going, Don't Dr. West, you know, what, what mile you up on I said, mile 21. He goes, well, that's 20 more miles than what I could have done. And (laughs) I'm thinking. I'm feeling great already. And so he knew what to do. You know, he started preaching at me. He started going, Wes, you know, Jesus, he never said that he would protect us from all the storms, but he promised he'd be with us in the storms and he would get us through the storm. And man, he was going full tilt Billy Graham on me and got me to mile 22. And I think I was running uh, 15 minute miles at that point. So that was a 15 minute investment right there. And I'm going, that's good, man. That's good. And he keep it coming, keep it coming, and he goes, "Oh, you want more?" And then he moves into the he moves into the Billy Graham and crossed with Tony Robbins motivational speaker combination, and he says, "I'll never forget it. I'm, I'm just languishing at this point. I'm I'm heading towards mile twenty-two. My legs, have, I left my legs back at mile sixteen. It was all just heart from here on. And then, and then." Clayton, he says, Wes, I'm going to tell you something that my coach told me. When you go to the freezer and you get a glass full of ice and a chunk of ice falls out and falls on the ground, are you the type of guy that's going to bend down and pick up the ice? Or are you going to be the type of guy that just kicks the ice under the freezer and walks away? And I'm going, Clayton, Clayton, Clayton. I want to be the guy that picks up the ice, <laughs> and I'm going to put it in my mouth. <laughs> and so, I was not running. I'm telling you, my where's, where's Randy Wheeler and Chris? Where's Randy and Chris? Are you in the room here? All right, back there. Their daughter, Ashley, ran the Boston Marathon in three hours, 20 minutes. Yeah, natural, gifted runner. By the time I finished this race, Ashley would have been able to drive home, (laughs) jump in an ice bath, go out for dinner, read a story to the kids, put them into bed by the time I crossed the finish line. That's how tough my time was. But uh, Clayton was so good, he said, he said, Hey, Doc, I'll see you right through. How many miles have you got? And I said, uh, I, 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 I think I got it. You've, you've, you've put new energy in me. I think I've got it. And he said, Are you sure? Because I'll see you right to the end. And uh, that's the type of heart he has. And I don't know, Jennifer, whether you were in the room when he went into that Tony Robbins mode or not, but I'm <laughs> telling you, you must be thinking, what on earth? What type of conversation? He's talking to Dr. Wes? i <laughs> But uh, that's the type of man that you're married to. When somebody calls up and and they're in uh, trouble, he says, I'm with you. I'm with you to the end. I'll just stay with you. So Clayton Hensel, thank you, my man. I was... uh, So all that to say, I wasn't running. I wasn't shuffling. I was bonding. And that's what happens when... Out of collaboration, because I didn't know Clayton, you know, until we, we connected in Kona. Um, maybe a conversation on the phone, but, you know, it, it just gave me the confidence. That relationship that I'd formed in Kona and many conversations on the phone since then. To just that uh, I, uh, I can talk to him. I think he would answer the phone. And I, and I think he would help me. And in the context of this week. You're going to meet some people that are going to be so valuable in your coming year, and you will be valuable to them in the coming year. So let's recap. Talent is often discovered and developed within the context of collaboration. Collaboration is a remedy for emotional exhaustion and burnout. Collaboration increases brain size and intelligence, keeps you young. Collaboration, especially during difficult circumstances, releases oxytocin, the bonding chemical that strengthens relationships. And I will have a relationship with Clayton and Jennifer, my wife and I will, because we connected through a really tough experience that I was having. See, that's what God intends for collaboration, is that it bonds us in the 2019 World Athletic Champions, there were two runners there, one from the Ukraine, who is in the blue and yellow, and the other from uh, Guinea-Bissau. Uh, I, I think I probably butchered that, but uh, uh, an African country. And the runner from Ukraine stumbled in the race, and the runner from Guinea-Bissau could have just run right past him to But he didn't. He stopped. And he did what the Bible calls us to do. For if either falls, his companion can lift him up. So what I want to do right now is I'm going to pray for us all. And then just in our groups, I want you to talk about somebody in your life who has lifted you up. And I want you, over the context of the rest of the day, I want you to write down... On this, on this page, maybe on the back, just a lift list of people that you want to connect with. You know, Keenan and Ashley are here for the first time. And I would love for you to go home with just a whole stack of new friends. But more than new friends, collaboration-oriented connections. And there, there are so many more couples. How many p- people are here for the first time? Yeah. All right then let's, let's be determined to just bed, bed all of those of you in to this great family of ministry leaders with the Solomon Foundation. Let me pray for you and then we'll go into our group time. Father God, we thank you so much for rescuing us through your son, Jesus Christ, and putting your Holy Spirit within us. Lord God, we thank you so much for this beautiful location and the opportunity that we have to bond together in mutually beneficial ways. Lord God, thank you so much for making this happen. And in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.